welcome to the Dr. Doom podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Doom. And uh, I kind of got off, I don't know, I've gotten off topic lately. I think it was just being unwell. I kind of had a hard time putting together stories to tell on this podcast, but today I'm just going to tell a few stories. Um, these aren't medical stories. <laughs> these are just childhood stories. Um, and uh, what I don't know what got me thinking about it, but I was thinking about... Um, going to camp when I was a kid and uh you know we um there <laughs> if you've ever read the Justin Halpern book uh shit my dad says there's this line where um the dad says oh you're gonna love camp what are you talking about it's great you know you'll be you'll be uh going out in canoes you'll be swimming you'll be having bonfires meeting new friends well oh it's basketball camp We'll just erase all that shit I said and replace it with play basketball, I guess. <laughs> My father was the same way. He never knew where I was going. Mom generally arranged most of it. But um, I liked I liked my home. I, I was a homebody. And, uh, and in the summer especially, I, I felt like camp was quite a ripoff because um, for us, uh, it was like all of a sudden you were a free-range child in the winter and well during the school year we had activities out out the wazoo so we'd have like every day there was at least one and sometimes two things so it'd be like piano and swimming basketball volleyball um you know we tried for ski team stuff it was just like there was just a constant um constant uh lessons and and uh oh you know and and and, uh, appointments and all that stuff and then in the summer when when school was over it was like oh relax stay home you might watch tv like for a whole week you might just watch colombo reruns on a e or um you might uh you know we had a little cottage in shediac and we would go there we wouldn't shower for like a week at a time you'd just you know live out on the beach and play outside basically and that was uh that was our summers but uh, around when I turned 10, I think they wanted to get, get me out of the house for a week. Uh, and they sent me to basketball camp. And it was my first time away from home. And I, I, I was pretty homesick, to be honest. Um, I tried not to be to do the quivering chin thing. But a whole week away from your parents was strange. And uh, we went to Acadia University uh, for basketball camp. And so I, I had gotten quite chunky when I turned 10. I don't know what happened. I, I think um, I was still doing all those activities, but I think music was bigger and uh, sports. Maybe that year I hadn't made the select team for basketball. And, uh, and so it was just like, I don't know, I, I, I just played house league or whatever. And uh, it wasn't as big a commitment, so there wasn't as much exercise happening and um, and, and then, you know, when you're a kid, you go through these changes and I, I was just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I got, I chubbed up one year. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I went to, they put me in this basketball camp and, uh, I remember they dropped me off and I was feeling homesick and I got completely like freaked out about the idea of using the bathroom <laughs> for some reason. It was in a, we were staying at a college residence. And I was staying with my friend Jeff, who uh, was a super nice guy. Like, 
you know, he was, he was a cool guy, but there were like group bathrooms and it was really strange. Like they were toilet stalls, but some of them, you couldn't lock them. And I was terrified for some reason that somebody was going to bang in on me while I was having a dump. So, um, so I decided on my own with no prompting whatsoever that I would eat the only the foods that I figured would produce the least amount of <laughs> crap in my system, the least amount of residual <coughs> burn me. And so I basically ate soup for the entire time I was there. And we played basketball that we had three basketball practices per day, two hours in the morning, two hours after lunch, two hours, uh, after supper. And I think that was it. There was no like organized stuff for the kids or anything. So we were kind of on our own, but you used the university cafeteria and they had chicken noodle soup. And I ate that every like lunch and every supper that I'd have one bowl of soup. And I think for breakfast, um, like I can't even remember if I would just drink water or what. And my mom, um, she bought me all this gator gum. She was like, well, you don't want to carry, you know, like drinks around with you, but this will keep you hydrated. <laughs> so she bought a Gatorade made, used to make gum, um, that was like electrolyte rich. It's basically like chewing a salt cube. And, uh, and, and so that was our, uh, that was our Gatorade. <laughs> if you've ever wondered, uh, what viral pneumonia sounds like, um, yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much it. That's it there. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I don't know how she, I guess mom's understanding of, um, systems is not necessarily the best, but she, somehow she thought the saliva that your mouth makes will rehydrate you anyway. So I ate soup and I chewed gator gum and I probably did drink water or pop or something like that. I, I don't fully remember, but in one week, um, I think I went there and I was like 150 pounds. And then when I, uh, came home, I was like 110 pounds. <laughs> One week I'd lost like 30% of my body weight. And, uh, yeah. And then I was skinny again for, for years and years until, uh, basically in high school, uh, in high school, I gained a little bit of weight again. And then I went to college and it all fell apart, but that was, uh, that was my basketball camp experience. I, it was, it was fun. And, uh, I did get a lot better at basketball, um, to the point that I ended up like making the junior high team and the select team and all that stuff. Um, and now my son is playing basketball and, and he absolutely loves it. And I wish, wish I could get him an opportunity like that, but also forewarn him if I could, like, if I know if my dad had foreseen that I would be worried about having a shit in a public bathroom, um, he would have talked me through it before I'd gone there. But of course he didn't even know I was going to basketball camp. I think he assumed I was going to, uh, you know, go hiking and, and fishing and, uh, canoeing and all that stuff. So anyway, that's the story of basketball camp. Um, the next story I'm going to tell you is about a different camp. So that uh, basketball camp happened when I was about 10 years old and uh, I didn't go to camp in my 11 year old year uh, because, well, I did, but they were all camps around home. It was like rowing and a kayaking camp or something like that. It was, you know, I was involved in stuff, but I didn't, uh, 
uh, I, I didn't uh, go away that year, but the next year, um, I picked up, I pick up guitar lessons when I was 10 and I loved, I loved a piano, but as soon as I played a guitar, I knew that was the instrument that I wanted to play. My dog is, my mom's dog is sniffing the microphone. So, um, I, I really fell in love with guitar. Like it was just love at first sight. As soon as I picked up a guitar, I remember, um, my father took me to Maine. I'd been playing his, uh, classical guitar. Like he had it restrung. I'm left-handed and he had it restrung left-handed for me. And, uh, and I took it to uh, my lessons and I learned how to play Helpless by Neil Young. That was like my first uh, lesson, D-A-G. And, uh, and man, I don't know. I just, I, I picked up the guitar and I never stopped playing it. I loved it. So he was working uh, with the oil company and he was down in Maine. A lot of his work was uh, based out of, uh, I think it was like Ellsworth or somewhere. And at that time there was a music shop there and he took me with him on this trip and uh and they were, were getting me a it was a birthday present or a christmas present i can't remember but he took me into this guitar shop and i saw the electric guitars and i was just like overwhelmed with love i i couldn't believe the uh the guitars that there were two that really stood out that were in our price range. So there was something called a Squire two Stratocaster. So this is like a, they're made in Korea, but they're kind of like a Fender Strat and, uh, and it was black and white and it was right-handed. I'd have to flip it upside down or there was a green Martin Stinger guitar. And, uh, again, right-handed that I'd have to flip upside down. And I remember the guitar salesman when I said, well, I'm left-handed, he said, left-handed have you ever heard of a left-handed piano and i wanted to sound cool like i was one of one of them like i was a musician and i said yeah yeah man he's like no you haven't because there is no left-handed piano he's trying to tell me i had to learn how to play guitar right-handed i was like i'm strongly left-handed <laughs> people don't understand anyway i felt like a bit of a dork but uh but anyway uh we went back and forth but dad knew the name fender we knew Martin because of like Martin acoustic guitars, but, uh, he said, you should get the fender. You should get, I think we should get the fender. So he bought it for me and a case and, uh, and he brought it back to the hotel room and he said, you have to promise you can look at it, but you have to promise you'll wait to open it until Christmas or your birthday or whatever it was. And, uh, and so I said, yeah, I promise. But as soon as he went to work, I opened the case and I held the guitar and I stood in front of the mirror. I didn't know how to play it really. And I just looked at myself holding this guitar and just like stared <laughs> into the mirror. It was, it's funny. It sounds very narcissistic, but it, it wasn't, it was just this like magical, like moment where I realized, Hey, I can change my destiny of, of who I'm going to be, which I thought at that time was going to be a basketball player. Uh, you know, and like that was going to be my high school identity. And I looked at myself holding that guitar and I was like, no, man, I'm going to be a musician. <laughs> I love music and I loved rock and roll music and my dad loved it too. Anyway, um, so when I was 12 years old, uh, mom and dad signed me up for a camp called Summer Rock. And it was a rock music camp 
uh, for kids, but not for kids who are 12 years old uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. It's about a four and a half hour drive from where we live. And, uh, and so I figured, you know, it'll be like basketball camp, but only with guitar lessons instead of basketball lessons. It'd be, you know, it'll be cool. Like same kind of thing. That was the only camp I'd been away to. So, uh, it sounded like, sounded like it was just the thing. Um, but when they pulled up just as they were about to drop me off, this was at Dalhousie university. We stayed on campus there just as they were about to drop me off at Studley house. My dad turned around in the car and said, Oh, uh, by the way, you're, uh, you have to tell everyone that you're 15. I said, what? Uh, yeah, you're 15. Uh, the minimum age is 15 for this camp. <laughs> I was 12 and just 12. Um, in fact, I think I was 11. I hadn't even turned 12 yet. Um, yeah, anyway, no, I was, I was probably 12. It was probably 1993, I guess, instead of 92. Whatever the case was, I was a kid, a little kid. And we pulled up at uh, Studley House, which is one of the residences, which I later ended up living in when I went to school there. And um, there were these two guys standing out in front of Studley House smoking cigarettes in like torn off, like arms torn off jean jackets with uh, Slayer shirts on, long hair. Um, they looked kind of like they were roadies for Motley Crue. One guy had a mustache and, uh, and I said, hi, am I at the right place for the, uh, for the music camp? They're like, yeah, man. Uh, are you old enough to be here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I I'm, I'm 15. Okay, man. Well, come on in. So, uh, is actually my friend Rob and I went together and uh, Rob was older. He was three years older than me. They brought us in to this, like they, we just said goodbye to mom and dad. We carried our amps and guitars in to this residence and the place reeked of pot and uh, everybody was drinking, like day drinking. There were, there were these like heathen kids everywhere <laughs> with long hair and bandanas and uh, mustaches and the whole works. And it was just like, a party happening and this guy Jeff uh, was our um, he was supposed to be our supervisor and he couldn't even get out of his chair he was either drunk or high I'm not 100% sure which but he we, they were like you have to check in with Jeff and they brought us in he didn't even like acknowledge our presence I was like Jeff uh, I guess we're I don't know what room we're supposed to go to and nobody knew so they just put us in a room uh, the keys were hanging in the door and that was that. So I was pretty freaked out and there were no cell phones then. I couldn't like call mom and dad and be like, this is a mistake. I, I, I these are adults. Um, so we kind of got ourselves settled in the rooms and, uh, we didn't know where we had to go. There was no like instructions for where this camp was. Um, it was just, chaos and and everybody was partying and you could hear like people playing really loud music all through the place and it was kind of cool like it was exciting but I was terrified at the same time and I remember I was almost a little bit teary because I was like man I, I don't know what the fuck is happening anyway these two older guys took us under their wing uh, thankfully one guy's name was Chris and 
actually both their names were Chris no Chris and Rick and they they were from Newfoundland I think they were good friends and uh they were super nice guys they were probably 18 or 19 and uh they they kind of saw these young kids and they were like oh you know we'll show you around well and this is what you have to do tomorrow and this is where we'll go we'll go with you so you don't get lost and that kind of thing and uh and they were like well we should go over to the cafeteria they've got some arcade games over there and uh you guys can get something to eat like we had cafeteria passes and as we were walking out they said rick said you got to be careful to lock your door when you go out do you have your key and i checked it yeah i got my key it's like you got to lock your door and he reached in and locked it and um they took us over to the could well because they don't want anyone to steal your amps or whatever or guitars they took us over to the cafeteria and uh everything was cool we played video games for a bit and we came back and uh and absolutely everything in our room was gone like our instruments our amps all the furniture uh, pillows everything and they were like "Uh oh it <laughs> looks like somebody robbed you and i was really upset and i didn't want to cry in front of all these like adults like rock and roll adults but i could feel like my throat closing up like like not letting me talk and i just kind of started walking like looking for a payphone to call mom and dad um but they wouldn't have been home yet in new brunswick and uh and i didn't know what to do and uh and so i walked down the hallway and then i heard from behind me colder and i said what and rob was going the other rob turned the other way and i said warmer and then we had to play hot and cold with all the furnishings because when he reached in to lock the door, he was actually unlocking it, of course. Um, and they played that game until uh, 1245 in the morning when we finally found our stuff that they had uh, concealed in a uh, like a janitor's closet um, up on the third floor of the building we were in. It was um, it was a really it was a really harsh introduction uh, <laughs> but having said that we make quite good friends with these guys and i just by the end of it i just adored these guys because they were so fucking cool like unlike me who's a child you know they all had like facial hair and girlfriends they were hooking up with girls when we were at this thing they were like like doing it <laughs> in in during music camp where they where my parents sent their child their little child um it was uh it was quite a funny experience uh but you know despite them being a little rough around the edges um i i fell in love with that uh that lifestyle and i was so worried i was i've i still am a lifetime worried about consequences of my actions like if i it, i don't you know, I, I never really did drugs because I was like, what if I got caught with drugs? I'd be, uh, you know, it's not that I think the, the drugs are like morally reprehensible or anything, but I was always worried if I got caught with them, you know, you'd be, uh, you'd lose your career, you'd go to jail, blah, blah, blah. These guys are just like, they just stand outside on the street smoking dope in the 90s when it was like definitely illegal. Um, I just admired that callous, that callous, carefree attitude. I thought that was quite cool. Um, anyway, I, I have a lot of very fond memories of that camp. The Jeff guy, the first day that we actually had to go to camp, which was the day after we found all our stuff hidden, um, 
uh, and had to rebuild our bedroom and then go to sleep. We didn't go to sleep until about four in the morning. Um, the next day they, they did get us up and like took us to the camp. And I, I was carrying this amplifier that weighed, I, now I don't even know if I could carry it. It, it probably weighs 60 pounds. Um, and I had to carry it both directions every day with my guitar on my back. Um, and the camp, like the thing was, I would say, well, not five miles, maybe a three mile walk from where our residence was like a, you know, it was a, it was an hour walk away. Um, and so, so it was probably two miles with the amp, but anyway, it doesn't matter. The, uh, the point is it was a long ass walk, but after the first day of camp, um, the guys that had walked us down disappeared and neither Rob nor I had any idea where we were in the city or how we'd gotten there. Um, so what we did is we saw Jeff, the stoner guy who was like our supervisor in the dormitory and, uh, and he was leaving and I said, let's just follow him. But he was too far away to like catch because we we're carrying these amplifiers. So we just walked behind him uh like probably a block and a half behind him and tried to keep up and he walked you know across this park that we didn't recognize and into this like rougher area of town that we'd never been to and then up the steps to this drug den where he was like getting out cash and buying hits of acid <laughs> and when we finally caught up with him and he was like, oh my God, are you guys following me? I said, uh, yeah, man, we don't know how to get uh, how to get back. He said, it's not this way. You can't be here, man. <laughs> so he just kind of like pointed us in the direction we had to go. And we walked that way for hours. We didn't get in until about 10 at night uh, and camp ended at like three in the afternoon. Um, we were lost the whole afternoon. Uh, until we eventually like got directions to Dalhousie. We figured people would know where that was. And then once we found the campus, we wandered around that forever until we found the residence that we were staying in. Anyway, um, but you know, the, the camp experience, the Summer Rock camp experience was like a coming of age story. The first time I saw the movie um, Dazed and Confused, I, I felt so much uh, empathy for the uh, teenager, the, the kid who's coming out of junior high and going into high school um, because he's surrounded by all the older kids and like, you know, he's, he's got to act cool and that kind of thing. And that was like, that was my experience in, the, in, that, uh, in that rock camp. And uh, yeah, it was just, a, you know, it was a really cool experience. I, I did it again um, the next year and the year after. Um, and then, and then I never went back after that. It just, the summers got too busy. I got into rowing. I was still really into music, but um, my friend Rob went off to college and, um, you know, he was, he was like my best friend at that time. And it wasn't the same without him. I did it with his brother, um, Greg, but Greg was always a little too cool for me. I, I don't know. Um, and uh, so we weren't as good friends as Rob and I were. Like he, did, he didn't have as much of the like awkward weirdness that Rob and I shared. Anyway, it was um, <laughs> it was a really fun experience. In the end, it was a really eye-opening experience. And 
yeah, that was my sort of coming of age story. Um, that was the first time I ever felt the impetus to be cool. And I turned out to be so uncool. It's really a shame I had, I had potential, but, um, I, I guess the question is, would I send my son to that camp knowing, uh, what it was like, knowing about the drugs and stuff? I don't think I would. And that's a shame. I'm, I'm depriving him of, uh, that, that experience, but I just, I can't imagine doing it. He's such a little, little guy, maybe even he's a little bit older, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I don't, I guess you shouldn't idolize that kind of behavior and you're going to idolize the older kids, no matter what you're doing, um, when you're a boy, but, uh, anyway, it was cool. It was lucky for me that I got to do it because it was, it's memory that I often think back on and it's almost always thinking back fondly on it. All right. Well, that wraps it up. I don't know if there'll be another one before Christmas. So, uh, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, happy holidays you godless heathens <laughs> and uh yeah stay healthy and stay classy see you next time